Hello, everybody. Welcome to the SAP Sex Actually podcast. Your host, Dave Neal. This is a special episode I'm recording from the office, the home office of the SAP Enterprise. Um, you know, I built this nice barn door that slides shut so I could have this separate kind of quiet area because if you're familiar with my layout here, Tasha and myself, Dave Neal, uh, live in a, one would say a studio, um, or as the British would say, a flat. I think, a, I think a flat is the same thing as a studio and it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a big space, but it's not an enclosed, there aren't, um, partitioned areas there's you know the kitchen leads into the dining room which leads into the living room which leads into the bedroom there's like half a wall that separates four different rooms so i finally created this kind of uh, oasis uh this 60 square foot um fortress to um podcast and blog from and get all my work done but i don't go in here too often just mainly because the lighting's bad you know i got a couple like dimly lit um uh, lumens hit me in the face and you know, you know, your boy Dave likes his natural light. Got to get those bags under my eyes lit pretty well, but, uh, it's a solo episode. So I'm going to be in here by myself and I'll tell you what, I already love it. I love the solo episodes I do in my car. Um, audio is not great. You know, there's fucking ambulances going by, but the, the idea of, uh, of kind of confining yourself to a small area, um, I sounded like I said malaria, small area, small area, and uh, and letting the uh, the mind kind of explore this conversation that we're about to have. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons podcasts are so popular right now is that people aren't having conversations in real life. Can you have a conversation without looking down at your phone, looking over the person's shoulder, seeing who else is coming around? Can you not have a fun chat without saying, oh, this would be great on my Instagram story? Can you? I don't know. You might not have these problems. You're probably listening to Iowa. You know, you drive a truck, you lift hay all day, and you just, uh, you know, you're off your phone. I don't know. The problem with the phone is that it's, it's you know, our GPS, it's our Tinder, it's it's our bowel movements, our period tracker. I don't know what else to do with bowel movements. Oh, although when we're taking a shit, we're looking at our phone. You remember the last time you took a shit without looking at your phone? How great was that? Your mind just explored. You're reading, you know, the instructions on the shampoo bottle or like, you know, the acetone levels of the nail polish remover that, you know, whatever, whatever's in arm's reach you're looking at. My parents still have, um, still have books in the bathroom, you know, they pick up and read, which I always found to be so disgusting that you would pick up a, a book of factoids and just read a couple pages, you know, you know, inches away from where you're shitting, but, uh, maybe they're happier. My parents, they do the thing where they charge their phone in the kitchen and then they go to bed, which is crazy in today's world to think you can just put your phone on a charger in another room, go sleep, wake up, and not have to look at it. Pretty incredible. Tasha and I are still working on this. It's, look, I mean, as far as it, look, we're going to be addicted to our phones, right, folks? I mean, it's going to happen. Chances are you're li- most likely you're listening to this podcast on your phone. We're going to be addicted to it. So let's just admit that we have an addiction and then we can work on it from there. And addictions, you know, I'm not saying you need to be 20 years sober from your phone. You just need to know that sometimes, you know, the phone might get the best of you. And, you know, last year I started a New Year's resolution where I wouldn't have my phone in my bed. And I went like six months without it. Didn't have my phone in my bed, which which sounds like a simple thing. Don't put your phone in your bed. But we know this is hours. This could be hours a day. That might be on the, um, you know, it might be it might be two hours a week or three hours a week that spent, you know, a quick scroll here and there. And then and then and then I got rid of it. I got my phone out of bed. And I was going, I didn't, I would just, I would lay down and I would close my eyes and go to sleep. But then I got a new phone. I got the iPhone 8 or whatever the fuck I have. And oh boy, the screen's good. The graphics are nice. So what I, what did I do? I stopped watching my iPad and I started uh, watching TV and stuff on my phone. But I'll defend the fact I still don't really do social media in my phone in bed, but I'll like, I'll throw, I'll throw my phone on one of those little tripods on my, and I'll put it on my like belly and I'll just like angle it to my head and watch a TV show. And normally what will happen is I'll fall asleep, I'll move and the phone will, you know, hit me in the head or something. 
But I tell Tasha, I'm like, geez, Tasha, you got to not be looking at your phone right before you go to bed. I mean, the, you know, the imagery, the comparing ourselves to others, all these negative things when, you know, like our, our, our favorite lady Oprah would say, you know, you need to be grateful. You need to spend the time at the end of the night um, with gratitude of all the things that are good in your life. And unfortunately, what do we do sometimes? We'll just whip out our phones and see everyone else's highlight reel. Man, I think there's only a threshold of happiness we can have for other people. Because I understand the four agreements and all the self-help books that say, like, you know, stay in your own lane, be happy for others. But I really think that that only applies to our um, to a very small number of people, maybe 12, maybe 8. You know, I can think of all my family, I'd be happy for them. And then I think of my close friends, my Channing, Tasha, Gilbert, uh, my buddy Gooch, Darren. I think of, uh, you know, some other friends that when, you know, I'm happy for them. I have my friend Heather and other comedians, Katie. I'm happy for these people when they do well. Um, all past podcast guests. But then after that, it's like, well, am I happy for the guy, the coworker that got a Netflix special? I mean, yeah, like good for him, but does it does it make me pay my electric bill? You know, so so you start to wonder, okay, it's good to see success to know that it's attainable, but at what point is it a detriment to your own progress in achieving that success? I don't know if any other industries have the same vibe that I have. Um, you know, with stand up, it's pretty evident through social media who's doing well and and you know uh who's uh who's uh hot as they say in the industry who's got heat on them but um in 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 the in, inversely it's also important in my industry to it's important for me not to absorb too much of other people's successes but it's important for me to share my own successes for several reasons a it's i think it's good gratitude to share with those around you that you're doing well and prosperous and things like this. But also it's just, it's good. Um, it's good for business to let other bookers and comedy show producers know that you're out there killing it and slaying it and talking about, you know, your new fleshlight bit that you got or why bicycles suck or whatever stupid bit that you're working on. I think it's good for, for these producers to know that you're out there hustling because, um, you know, if they don't see you, they just forget about you. So it's a, it's a medium that you have to control. With putting out your art, putting out your um, positivity and, and things you're grateful for, which, you know, is a humble brag in, in essence. You're putting out humble brags, but also know that you need to only limit how much of that humble brag from others you're absorbing. And, you know, by scrolling through the phone last thing at night before you go to bed, you're not limiting the humble brags you're receiving. You know, you're not focusing on bettering yourself. And I think that's going to be the theme of this episode is is the the idea that we are enough you know like my like my my my, one of my favorite mantras is i am enough i have enough i want to share it now i believe that i believe i am enough i believe i do have enough and i and i do believe that by sharing it i'm helping others um by you know aligning with a positive vibe that i'm trying to have that's what the podcast is for um but also when it comes to relationships Am I enough or is the thing I'm striving to be the, the, what captures my attractiveness? So in a relationship, is it okay to be stagnant and say that you are enough, that you have it all? You know, the stupid Marilyn Monroe quote, like, if you don't love me, you're not going to love me. Or if you don't love me, you know, whatever the fuck it is. And it's like, no, bitch. It's not that we're not loving you at your worst. We're just saying as long as you're in pursuit of your best that's that's where the love is being with someone who's in pursuit of their passions in pursuit of a loving family in pursuit of um moments of uh, authenticity um you know and that can and that doesn't mean that you are not good enough it means that you 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 know actively i think the best ways for us to foster good relationships and be attractive to others is to be putting ourselves in a in a position where we're trying to succeed not necessarily monetarily not necessarily you know whatever whatever it is that you value um because i know i'm i've got a i got some questions coming my way from people that you know they're they're wondering why it's not working out with a certain girl and why you're getting ghosted on and all these issues and i just tell you this while you know you're you're 
basically wondering why you got the shits and you're not looking at the food you're putting in your stomach. You know what I mean? It's a horrible analogy. <laughs> but when, when we're looking at just the result, we need to say, all right, what caused this? Now, what caused someone to ghost you? They could be a shitty person. They're probably not right for you. Why would you ever want somebody who's going to ghost you? But also, why weren't you enough? And that's probably a dangerous place to, to be, to say like, oh, woe is me. Why am I not enough? But I think it's also a realistic um, inventory we need to take with ourselves and say, what, what part of me is lacking that other people don't want to spend time with me? So, you know... <clears throat> There, I, I had several questions prepared that people have asked, um, and the, there, some of them are "woe is me" type of questions, but they're all going to hammer home the same point, which is: let's not worry about why this girl doesn't want you or guy. Let's worry about getting your you to the, the rock star level where you're being the best version of yourself. Because the best version of yourself is ever moving. It's a river of water. It's whitewater rapids. Okay. In that, in that, in Whitewater Rapids, you ever go down to Whitewater Rapid? You get these class four rapids. It's pretty crazy, and you also get some cool, calm water. But that water still has the same pressure. It's still flowing down down the river. Do you know what I mean? And and it might look graceful and nice, and there's logs floating and some kids peeing out of his raft or whatever. That has nothing to do with the story. But the water itself has a quiet kind of like strong energy to it. And that's what nature teaches us about, about being like steadfast and strong and pursuing our path. And sometimes a couple of rocks get in the way and that's what creates the white water when there's a couple of rocks in the way. When there's no rocks in the way, the water's still moving at the same level of, um, you know, velocity, right? My fucking Newton's law of, you know, it's still moving there, um, but um, it doesn't have as much in the way. But when there's rocks in the way, it's helping us carve our path, Okay. And it helps us triangulate who we are and where we're going. A um, couple of questions I'll read from some people. And they've all kind of sort of, uh, I think the answer that I'm going to be giving, is, and again, give it to myself as well. I have to, I have, you'll, you'll hear some of these questions and you'll say, oh, Dave, geez, it feels like it's speaking to you. Yeah, I know. I need it too. Guy wrote, how come it's easy for other guys to get girlfriends while I can't? Uh, there's so much wrong with this question already, but let's just read the rest of it. Other guys jump from girlfriend to girlfriend while here I am getting rejection, rejected and friend zoned a lot. I've been reading a lot of dating advice books and blogs and it seems like I need to work on myself more. But the frustrating thing is other guys around me who don't even care about working on themselves still get girlfriends. I know that I shouldn't compare myself to others, but it's frustrating as hell. Hey, I get it. I know I shouldn't be comparing myself to others too. And I still do it. And and you're going to have to spend your whole life telling yourself to stay in your own lane, but you're going to want to drift. And that's going to be, I think, a constant um, with with you and with me and with certain other types that might be either competitive. Um, comp- being competitive uh, has its benefits, but it's also detrimental when you, when you start looking. You know, you ever, you ever hear about the football player who, like, um, you know, this happened a bunch of times in, in football where, like, a guy breaks out. He's got, like, to the 50, to the 40, 35, 30, 25. He's all the – and then he looks backwards, and he doesn't see a defender because he's looking in the wrong direction. And then the defender fucking sideswipes him, and he fumbles the ball. This has happened so many times where a guy isn't focused on his own end zone, and he's not running at his own, at, at his own God-given speed with his own athleticism and he's worried about where everyone else is catching him and look sometimes it's good to see where someone else is you reposition you stiff arm them but sometimes your own paranoia and your own worry about others is what's keeping you out of the end zone go patriots 2018 let's do it tom brady yeah i know we have some philadelphia eagles fans out there congratulations on your super bowl win this past year but you gotta pipe down do it two times in a row and then we'll talk all right you fucking eagles fans in your water over there chihuahuas uh okay we're moving along so so how come it's easy for others to get girlfriends while i can't bro you don't know what they're dealing with okay because the second you compare yourself to someone else you find out that his dad's dying and he's got all this shit he's worried about and maybe he's so detached that yeah that you know that the one thing he's got going for him is that he can meet a lady like you don't fucking know what other people are going through so i would worry less about others and just know that you've got some problems that you need to work on and it's not the lady's fault at why you know you're not being you're not attracting them it's within you and no search for your own end zone what is that and i'm not saying your end zone is getting between your girl's legs i'm saying what what is your end zone what is your end game what's your five-year plan what are you looking to do what's your passion are you doing that are you pursuing that at full speed because i guarantee you when you're pursuing 
that passion at your full speed, you will align yourself with this energy of love, this positivity that's going to attract a much better catch. So worry less about the guy who's getting whatever types of girls he's getting and be the better version of yourself and the rest will fall into place. I promise you that. And you'll have that confidence and that luck and that attractiveness that'll just permeate through your skin and radiate. And that's not a fake thing. You know what I mean? That attractiveness of, of someone who's doing what they love. That's not an X's and O's, how does my jawline look? That's an aura that you create through your own pursuit of the life you want to live. And that doesn't happen by wondering why the other guy's getting the girl. It doesn't. You can't, no dating advice book is going to lay it up for you like your Uncle Dave right now. Okay? I'm telling you. All right? Because Tasha didn't come around to me, and I'm not saying that she's, I, I, I hate to put her on a pedestal because I think it's, it's you know, I'll be the, hey, folks, I'll be the first one to self-deprecate and say that she's a far better looking person. I mean, you know, I mean, just like, come on, you can tell by the, you know, the Instagram following, they, you know, she's got a fucking, you know, a battlefield of bros, you know, going to bat for her. And I got seven of you folks. Uh, please follow me on Instagram at Neals D-N-E-A-L-Z. But uh, what I'm saying is that I, she came into my life at a moment in a time when I was really, really in a doggone fight for my own creativity and for my own path. And I still am. And I have to remember to balance her as part of that relationship because a lot of times, guys, uh, and this might happen in the other direction, but as a, as a male, I can speak to, for, for, I'll speak from my agenda. But a lot of times, guys, we um, will focus on that finish line so hard that we, if we miss out on a good thing when it's there. And I believe there is enough time in our day and in our daily life to pursue at full speed our goals and our ambitions and, and, and all those things and also have someone along for the ride. That's why they created a second front seat. So you, there, there is plenty of time for the love of your life to sit shotgun with you and you'll sit shotgun for her on her path. And it's important that you find someone that's, you know, pursuing, you know, in, in a relative, like a same level of momentum, their own path, because the best, the best case scenario is that you both share in your prosperity with each other and the world that you've created. Oh boy, that's a lot there. Speaking of a world I created, how the fuck did I get stuck doing another wedding photo shoot today? After I, after I record this episode, I got to go do a wedding photo shoot. No, I'm not even engaged yet. We're working on it, folks. We're working on it. But um, And by the way, Tasha had to go to... She's, she's out working right now. Um, I feel so bad for her. The amount of medicine she's taking right now for her Lyme disease is just insane. She's taking like 15 different pills morning and night. And these aren't little ibuprofen pills. These are like packed full of cod liver oils and herbs and they smell horrible and she's taking these pills and i'm trying to be a good boyfriend and give her a kiss afterwards oh woof and um and you know but um the thing i keep reminding her is that you know what a blessing it is that she knows you know the problems that she has and she's able to address them and um she's doing a great job i don't want to baby her and be like oh I'm, you know i'm trying to be strong for her because there isn't much i can do other than support her make her a nice spinach smoothie in the morning and just combat this with um you know strengthening our bodies we're going to war folks it's a fucking war that we're in she's fighting lyme disease and look we're we're fighting we're fighting the sugar industry that's out there because you know what it's doing it's just it's just inflaming our brains with water and fluids in 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 we're in 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 brain fog you know what i mean dude you you eat a burger and fries you top it off with a dessert you have a big giant 20 ounce coca-cola your body is shut down creatively because it's too busy trying to digest this shit the fucking sugar industry folks how did i get there my point is is that health is something that tasha's had to work on now with her lyme disease for those of you that don't know, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, you get bit by a tick. It's got all these different um, bacteriums in there, one of which is, um, you know, a, in a type of, you know, very similar to malaria. And it just attacks the body. It hides behind your fucking, uh, you know, what it's it's just brutal out there. But um, she's getting healthy and the body's a, an amazing, the body's an amazing evolving organism that can fight things like this. And and then me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so stupid. I got nothing to complain about physically. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to create a, um, a gymnasium in my brain <laughs> that is free of distractions, that limits my ADHD or whatever the fuck I have. That just can, can create a more, um, 
um, oil burning uh, uh, lantern rather than a firework. And I, that's what I believe, you know, things like sugar. And hey, I'll still end the night with a piece of chocolate here and there, but, you know, don't expect me to get any, you know, master's thesis work done afterwards. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I know, like, so I'm just trying to create that oil burning vibe in my brain where I can actually be the be- better version of myself, which is create better stand up material, have better points of views, uh, have more focus, maybe be funnier, maybe be, get, be a little more, um, um, motivating. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to do here. Uh, but I am out of breath. So I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. Hold on folks. I'm sure there's a few people that just, um, stumbled upon this podcast, never heard it before. Uh, there's, there's three types of sex actually podcasts. There's solo episodes, there's Dave and Tasha, and then there's Dave and guest, which sometimes also include Tasha, just depending on her schedule. And no and she, and she was like, well, why don't we just do a car cast episode? And I was like, oh, we just did one. So I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to bang this episode out. I, uh, part of me feels like I'm, uh, selling you guys short by doing a solo episode because I feel like oh, I should be booking guests and blah, blah, blah. But then I have to remember some of the better comments I received from you folks is when I do these solo ones. I feel like it becomes more of a one-on-one conversation. No, you're thinking, yeah, well, no, it's a one-on-none conversation. It's like, no, I'm listening to you folks. I hear you. You know, we're having the conversation. I got enough, you know, shit going on in my head that I can have multiple conversations at once. So I was talking about this bridal shoot that I'm going on. And, um, as you know, you know, we've done, I've done three, I've, I've done between three and five bridal shoots. I've done engagement photo shoots with Tasha. And of course, these are things that we do. Um, I don't think we've ever been paid for them. No, we haven't. We don't get paid for these. They're just test shoots that we do with different bridal companies. They put together, they pretty much put a full fake wedding together. You know, all the stupid photos you get of cutting the cake, which, by the way, I guess I could eat some cake later. Um, and we're going up to Ojai, which is um, a couple hours north in California. It's right near Santa Barbara. And we're going to go shoot at some, like, gorgeous um, wedding mansion place. And, um, you know, a couple photographers. I got the black tux emailed to me. Uh, emailed to me. Mailed to me. Uh, the, I, I, should get, I should try to get them on as a sponsor. Black Tux is a fucking cool company. They they, they mail you. So this is what happens. You, you go on to the website. You say, what kind of tuxedo you want you type in all your measurements this and that and then a couple of days later you just get a giant like um almost like suitcase um style um uh brown box that you open up kind of like a you know like a suitcase you open it up and it's got your your tuxedo your it's got a fresh pair of socks you don't have to return it's got um all the other things brand new shoes it's got all these things put them on you know you got to you got to let them out of the box so they don't get wrinkled and all that shit but Anyway, it's a really cool company. So they sent me that. I got my tuxedo ready to go. Tasha's got whatever wedding dress they're putting her on, putting on her. And, um, you, know, photog- uh, you know, a famous photographer, uh, the wedding planner. The reason we're doing this shoot is because I had Matt Ritter on, comedian and former lawyer. You remember him? I had him on maybe, I don't know, five to nine episodes ago. I can't remember. And um, his wife is a wedding planner. They, um, they're the ones that got married and had a big old fiasco. They got married in the Hamptons or some shit like that last year. And um, anyway, so... As part of her lookbook and getting new photos up, of course, Tasha, the beautiful lady that she is, will be the uh, main bride, and I will be the dude who's out of focus behind her, who's you know sniffing her neck or whatever stupid photo they make me do. But it's it's it's, it's a you know I, I get I get nothing out of this. I get nothing out of this other than it's a chance to have some quality time. Tasha gets pampered. We get her hair and makeup done. We get to go hang out at a nice place for the day. It's kind of just like a quick you know fun thing that's part of Tasha's industry that I, I try to support because um, you know it's it'll, it'll be fun. We'll get some images and you know we take do a few photo shoots together and then you know like last year actually last year this week we got to book that Royal Caribbean photo shoot. We got to go shoot for a week in Mexico, be taken care of, get paid. Really well and um which by the way none of the photos we shot made it onto any of their billboards so um stay in touch i mean it doesn't mean that they won't Uh, sometimes it's a slow marketing process but jesus christ the amount of money they paid for us to go to mexico not even use these photos it's like geez i'll take some of that cash if you want but um so bridal shoot it is i'll actually by the time you're listening to this 
unless you listen to this right when I upload it, because um, today's what? What's today? Today's uh, August 27th, 2018. I don't know. Maybe you're listening years down the road. Maybe you're uh, uh, a son or daughter that I had and I've since passed and uh, you're going through all of my past episodes, which, by the way, would just be the coolest thing in the world if I could listen to my dad ramble about his Vietnamese, v- Vietnamese his Vietnam days in war, which, by the way, shout out to John McCain. Rest in peace. Uh, what a fucking war hero that was. What a great guy, you know, it's, you know, like, like any, any, you know, life comes at you fast folks, you know, what do you got? He got that the brain, uh, brain tumor last year and here he is. And I've got some friends, you know, that I've heard some, some just really tough news from recently, a friend whose dad found out has stage four cancer and it's like, fuck, this world is fleeting. And it's kind of like the same thing with dogs, you know, dogs, they don't, they they're family members, they're unconditional love, and they teach us so many things, but they only last a fraction of our lifetime. And you, you say, well, why? What is, you know, it's that suffering and that love that you get from, you know, an animal who loves you unconditionally, that that's part of the conundrum of why they, you know, have a lifespan of eight to 12 years, because it forces you to deal with loving and leaving and losing and same thing with family members so to my friends out there my really good friend whose dad is in you know you know you know in in the final stages of his life um i just you know i just shower you with love and praise and hope that you just really bottle up all the love that you've got from your family you know i don't know what i don't know this is these solo episodes, I, I literally go off on a million tangents, but I, you know, when I, when I think of how much it would suck, because I think of my own, my own mom and my stepdad and like how, you know, you just never know. Like his dad died of a heart attack and it's like, boom, you're gone. And I've had my friend Diggs who died of a stroke last year and another friend, it's like, fuck fleeting. And I don't mean this to bring you all down fleeting. So get out there and fucking smile at your neighbor and call your dad and your and, and, and your brother and, and whoever else that you're neglecting right now. For fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. Get on it. Pause this. We'll get back to you. Go call him right now. All right, did you call him? Are we, are we back? All right. Jesus Christ. So so Tasha and I, you know, we, we, we try to do we try to do these fun little things that are a little outside of my industry. And we try to have fun with it. And we're trying to live that life kind of in the moment. Uh, part, of, part of the thing that I've neglected over the last five years is, and again, Tasha and I, we've had some fights that like, you know, we've, we've come close to breaking up. I mean, in a way we've come close. I never thought we would really break up, but we've had some fights where we've had to, you know, where we've been misunderstood and we've had to, you know, you know, I've had to get her fears out of the way. Jesus Christ, the fears that she has that I'm just going to stop loving her tomorrow. And it's insane to me, but it's valid to her. So I have to remember that she's got, you know, she's got this herself to protect and that in protecting herself, sometimes when, when we fight or have a disagreement, she thinks that I'm rejecting her. And in relationships, so often we think the other person is rejecting us that we're afraid that it's like, you know what? Fine. I'll fucking do it myself. I'll go at it myself. I don't need anybody else. And the gentle light level of codependence that I speak of is the fact that, yeah, like I don't, like, I don't need Tasha. I will survive. I will survive without her. But that gentle leaning on somebody, it's, it's something I think to look forward to. It's something to have, you know, to have someone else to share and triangulate these experiences with. It's almost like she's the rock in my river creating some whitewater rapids. And I just need to keep on flowing until I smooth out that rock a little bit. But anyway, so I haven't, I haven't dismissed the idea of getting engaged and married. It's just that, you know, we, we, we take two steps forward and one and a half steps back and we take a sidestep and, you know, we do the hokey pokey and whatever the fuck. And it's, it's just, um, so, so to think I haven't thought of it is, is, is ass and I've totally thought about it and I've seriously, I'm not only considering it, just working towards that next step financially and all these other things. And again, no, don't mean to set limitations, but that's exactly what I just did. Um, and it sucks because a, a, a marriage has to be 50-50. It has to be. But the engagement is 100% the guy's doing. 
And I don't mean to take the pressure off the guy, but it's just weird. And you hear of these engagements and they've known each other. They dated for a year and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, bro, you got divorced a year later, you fucking piece of shit. And I'm not saying all marriages end in divorce, but there's a, there's enough shitty mistakes out there that do. And that's fine. But like, if you have to wonder why I'm not super enthusiastic about the prospects of a legit wedding and marriage, it's because you just see all the pressure and stress it puts on people. And that's the thing that's kind of made me like, ugh. so we've gotten fake married five times, but there's also like, you know, there's no expectation. We show up with our black tux, you know, right out of the box in our beautiful outfit and the hair and makeup. And it doesn't cost us a dime. And we get these beautiful photos and we have a fun day, but the actual wedding, I think will be so much simpler than that. And maybe that's part of the joy that we've had in doing all these rehearsal weddings is that it's just like, are we we excited to get, are we excited to get weddings or married? Because I feel like all these, so many, so many marriages, it's like built on this fake, this fake love that you think you're supposed to have. And love is kind and love is special and beautiful, but it's also messy sometimes. It's also, you know, battling all the insecurities and the, did I do the dishes more this month than that asshole? And, and you, if you do a little bit more than the other person is, do you build resentment and this and that is there's so much to it. And of course, to make matters worse, Tasha goes to her friend's um, bridal shower this weekend in San Diego, which was at a $15 million home. This, I mean, fuck. So it's at this gorgeous uh, relative's home of the of the girl who's getting married, and we like her. We 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 love the girl who's getting married, but it's like Jesus Christ. You come from this like super wealthy family, and it's it's like, and I'm in, and it doesn't mean that that someone who was born wealthy can't find happiness. But there's this like for me, I I the resentment that I hold. It's like, geez, I'm over here working these shit side jobs, trying to get my craft going and in my stand up airtight and this and that. So so that when I when I can afford that that um, chateau, that it's something like I like I want it too, but I, I refuse to get it in the in the traditional sense. It has to be my way, and that's part of my own stubbornness. And it, and it will come. It will come. And I know what you're thinking. Dave, you're not looking in your own lane. Yeah, I understand that. But we're getting there. It's just funny that it's like, geez, I'm trying to... Like, Tasha, like this um, bridal shower that Tasha went to, I think they've only been dating a couple years. We, we've... Yeah, Tasha and I have been dating a year longer than this other couple who's about to get married. And Tasha wants to be able to see that finish line of the fact that, like, is she going to get a ring on her finger? But it's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, am I going to get you a $25,000 diamond ring? No. Like, it's just not going to happen. And is that what we're worried about? And I think... They say like, oh, like if a woman loves you, she it doesn't matter what kind of ring. And it's like, I believe Tasha loves me, but I believe it also matters that she has a good rock on her finger. You know what I mean? I believe it. I believe in those two things. And that might sound sort of shallow and it probably is, but it's like, fuck, you know, she works and lives in this industry where it's all women, you know, fashion designing, you know, and gay guys too, but they're all designing and just like, you know, uh, when's he going to do it? Oh, what, look at that. Oh, what's the cut? What's the carrot? And it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Um, someone just said, check out. Okay. We'll have to get back to, it. I just got a message on Snapchat trying to stay focused. So anyway, we, so anyway, we're, we're, we're full, full bore in the wedding season. But if you want to see the, the, um, storyline, I'm going to make a storyline today of, um, Tasha and myself doing our fake wedding. Um, it'll be a fun one. It, it, it will be a fun time. So anyway, that's what we'll be doing. Let's read a couple more questions. I'll get out of here. I don't want to fucking hog up all your time. We got some good podcasts coming up. Um, in a couple weeks, I'm going to be airing an episode, um, a, um, a conversation that I'm having with one of the producers of the bachelor. That's going to be a great episode. Um, I can't wait to find out about all the behind the scenes shit that they do over there to create love. And, um, I think the bachelor is a good example of, of that, that love can be manufactured, um, in a setting, but it's, it's success rates is low. Uh, you know, it's, it, there's a, there's a PDSD that comes with being on the bachelor. I can only imagine that there's this crazy stress, um, anxiety, um, sleep deprivation, l- lack of social media, this uh, uh, fighting against other guys for this love. All these things happen, and then you get, and then you win, quote unquote, win, and then 
and then you've li- and then now you're in this public life together for the first time versus like when all the conditions were perfect. And that's, that's fucking reality right there. I mean, that's why people watch this show because it, you go, okay, well, how are you guys going to act now? And that's why I'm happy with my relationship where it is because there is no trial run. We have five fucking years of us doing our trial run. Five years of us sort of like figuring out, supporting each other, this and that. We're not just like, it's, you know, we're not a spring, you know, so like while we don't have the rings on our finger and this, you know, and all that bullshit, we've, we've proven ourselves. Do we want to do the one on porn viewing? How about this? Porn viewing is ruining um, my boyfriend's ability to have sex and orgasm. Do I trust him to improve? My boyfriend is 32 and I'm, I'm yeah, my boyfriend's 32 and I'm 32 and we've been together for nine months. He's supportive, loving, and all around amazing person. We just moved in together with the eventual goal of getting married. I'm now a bit unsure of our sexual future and therefore our future. The basics. I knew we watched porn and I was okay with it. As long as it didn't affect our sex life. He has consistently had trouble staying hard and or finishing during sex about 50% of the time. We have never even had a, uh, we have never even had a quickie since moving in. I noticed that he masturbates pretty much every day and I've witnessed him torrenting porn while I'm home. To my knowledge, he doesn't watch it when I'm home. I didn't sneak and look. He had his torrent window open when I walked over and when I saw it, I acknowledged it. Once it was only one or two videos and this last week, it was like eight talked to him about it as I felt the issue between us got worse. And when he started working from home and I was away all day, I found out he was previously addicted to porn uh, to some degree. That's his words. And that his ability to have sex with his ex was impeded even more than now. He didn't realize porn could desensitize him to real life. And he was quite upset by it. He says he knows it's a problem and he hasn't worked on it recently, but that he will prioritize it. He said he will just need some time. Says he's hoping to get 90% better. He gets off readily to porn. Real sex requires a lot of concentration. He is set back tremendously by distraction and is it and it is difficult to get to orgasm he has chronic back pain that can be a major distraction oh. <clears throat> it was very open and honest with me when i asked questions it's difficult for him to talk about this but he definitely comes through when i ask anything again this man is absolutely amazing in every other way literally but this seems like a potential red flag to me uh i want to be understanding and supportive but not stupid it hurts me to know it hurts me that he knows i have felt sexually inadequate for the past many months and hasn't done anything about it except tell me that it's not me i told him this last night i told him i don't care if he watches porn as long as it doesn't affect our sex life but it is and that's why i'm concerned with this all being very recent i don't know what the trajectory will be i trust and love him and it's hard to earn my trust but i know that many relationships end over issues like this what would you do how long would you wait before you're expected to see improvement would you be happy with 90 percent improvement am i over or underreacting boy a lot a lot to say here you said it's a potential red flag no no no, no. this is a full-fledged red flag um it's a potential relationship ender we haven't gotten to that part yet look the fact that you've only been dating for nine months uh, and i obviously like th- this isn't your problem take porn addiction and just replace it with you know a different type of addiction. So the porn addiction affects you because he's releasing his balls, if you will, to porn. And and of course he doesn't have the energy for you because he's already satisfied himself. He's uh, hit some cheat codes. I, uh, uh, I, I don't have this level of a problem. I'll say that first, but I do understand the problem I have, you know, and when, when, when my lady and I are on different schedules, um, it might be easier for me to just like, you know, crank one out. And I know, you know, she'll get home at night and be tired and gross and not want to, you know, hook up or whatever. And, and then all of a sudden a couple of weeks go by and you go, Oh shit. Like what the fuck? We need to make this a priority because it is something like the sex that you should ha- be having together is more important than masturbating. I do believe that masturbating can be healthy aside from sex, but I think the sex has to be the main course that you deal with first. And then if you're busy working and he like, say you guys have sex two times a week, um, but he needs to get off five times a week. Okay. Well make sure he has the sex. And then maybe the next day that he knows he's not gonna have sex with you, he masturbates fine. Now that's just a masturbating. The, the actual porn issue, like this is a full blown problem. First of all, torrenting porn. What year is this? He doesn't just stream it online or anything. Um, 
he's got an issue. He probably needs to go to some form of rehab for it. So you have to, you have to help him present himself with ways to get better, but this is his addiction. Um, I, I get sugar cravings and he has porn cravings. My sugar doesn't affect my libido. Uh, obviously his porn does my sugar affects other things and I have to deal with it. But, um, to say that he's hoping to get 90% better just seems like so fucking delusional and you need to open your goddamn eyes to this problem. It's bigger than you think. And I think you think it's a big problem. And I'm telling you, your relationship's on the line. And um, the, the problem is, is that it sounds like you sort of wish you had a little more control in the situation and you don't. It's up to him. And it might be up to you walking away for him to realize he needs to put it down and not retreat and do it all in secret. It's good that you saw it. He should be open if he is downloading porn and maybe get you involved with it. Maybe it's something you can do together Um, or maybe it's too much of an addiction and he can't do it at all. Those are are your choices. But um, I don't mean to say it lightly. It sounds like it's a very big deal. Um, Oh, here's a good one. My uh, girlfriend, who's 22, suggested polyamory with me. I'm 25, about a year ago. And I think I found someone who can satisfy me in ways she can't. Oh, shit. (sighs) So we had been dating for about five years. We are engaged and our relationship has always been a struggle, but we have tried our best. Met in high school, started dating when I was in the army long distance, deployed to Afghanistan. Thanks for serving. We went to the same college, but her birth control killed her sex drive. Moved in together and slouched off intimacy. And finally, she suggested polyamory, and I was hurt badly. She said, we got together too early for her to experiment and figure herself out. I felt like I was not satisfying her, and agreeing was the only way to keep my fiancé. So I stayed, and jealousy and resentment built. I started experimenting with other girls for about a year. Just hookups, really. No one I met really clicked with me emotionally or in temperament until this girl, 21-year-old female... She was understanding of my situation when I told her I was in a non-monogamous relationship and we clicked immediately and I felt hard for her in like two weeks. So now she wants a monogamous relationship. I'm sure she could give me everything I want. I have an intense desire to jump ship, but I feel guilty about leaving my fiance. After a fight with my fiance that ended in me breaking up with her, she even suggested going monogamous again. My fiance sent a scathing text to the new girl whose number she got off my phone that ended in a civil conversation about compromise between two women. What happens when a psych and a communications major meet, I guess, LOL. Even with that conversation, I could never have two families with two women. Financially, mentally, or emotionally, it would be too much, so I'm stumped. I want to be a great dad who comes home to his family every day, not half of the week. So now they have given me a week to think things over and decide what I want. Do I try to repair a severely injured relationship that never had sexually satisfying ability but a great friendship or jump aboard with a new girl that is ridiculously compatible with me whose goals, ambitions, temperament, and sex drive give me what I want out of the box? Well, sounds like you got yourself a little conundrum there. Look, bro, no offense. Um... You're 25. This is a 21-year-old woman. You don't know what she wants. You don't know what either of these women want. And I don't think you know what you want. So that's why marriage, I think, is so hard to be successful at an age in your early to mid-20s because things change. So you said you're lined up with a 21-year-old. I've never met a 21-year-old who knows what they want, male, female, whatever gender they, they want to they, they associate with. It's just, it's just uh, it's insanity. So I understand that you have some work you need to figure out. It sounds like your best option is to leave your first relationship for the second, but don't be surprised when that's not enough either. I mean, seriously, don't be surprised because, you know, you you started dating this girl in high school. Like you're already having these issues and you're in your early to mid twenties and and your girlfriend wanted to try polyamory in it. it, So then you did it. it, it, Polyamory. Um, does that, I guess I'm a little confused, you know, and by the way, the, the experts on polyamory and all that, I mean, I, gosh, I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian first, like this shit, like I'll, I'll learn what I can, but you know, when I, when I don't claim to know everything, people just go crazy. Like that's not, you know, like, is it group sex? Do you guys try group sex or is it just like open relationships, seeing other people? It sounds like it's just an open relationship and you're seeing other people and that's weird. So you're afraid to lose your best friend. I get it. That sucks. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, I don't actually have any good advice for you other than don't expect that this second new relationship is going to be the one that saves everything because it's built on a real, real shitty land right now. I mean, a real shitty land because you know what I mean? Like, sure, you laid it up for that you were in an open relationship and this and that, but 
it's it's still you know and 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 hey you could prove me wrong and that could really be the special one or then you guys start dating and you find that you know you've you've painted all the red flags white and then they start to come out because now you're focused all your energy on this one person and she's going to be worried that you're going to find the next girl it's just it's just shoddy you're basically trying to make an antique out of an ikea dresser and i'm just telling you it's an ikea dresser it's built with it's built with particle board good luck to it oh boy i wish i knew what happened um I'm not going to do that one. Let's do this one. I've started hating myself after each and every date. Oh boy. A former obese guy here. So I still have a lot of insecurities with my appearance, even after I'm fit right now. I was working out of a coffee shop over the weekend where this girl I had met thrice before called me asking what's up. I asked her to drop by the coffee shop to say hi. She said she had some work, so she will drop by for 15 minutes or so. We just sat there chatting with each other for four hours. There were some weird conversations in between as well. Her asking me that she saw, her asking me that she saw on Doctor Oz or Doctor Phil that for every three pounds of weight you lose, your dick grows by an inch. <laughs> That's a great idea. I just lost fifteen pounds. So that means I've okay. You do the math and uh, <laughs> and me claiming that would mean I have a thirty-inch dick or something. Then she asked me how would I like her if she had huge fake tits. Etc. Everything was going well. I wasn't showing my fat guy insecurities. Then, dot, 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 her friend joins us there at the coffee shop, and she started making ill-intentioned jokes just with the intention to hurt. Uh, side note, first of all, you don't know what her intentions were, okay? But we'll get into that. And I don't take offense at all in general, but the ill intention of those jokes pisses me off, or pissed me off. Like, they weren't meant to be jokes, but she was just saying shit to shit on me. My insecurities flared up, and I retorted. She fucking actually asked me to prove I am 26 and not 30. I got really angry and said this to her friend. Fuck off. I'm not taking out my ID. She can believe whatever she wants to. But after that, I am 100% certain the girl I chatted with for, for four hours lost all interest in me. It's been two days and she hasn't texted me. She usually always texts. And I'm being too much of a pussy to text. I usually never text also because of my fear of rejection. Look, okay here's the deal here's the deal with this one. Oh, this one's making me massage my forehead because it's tough so you let your ego get in the way you were being tested by the best friend okay and you failed and that's okay and why was the best friend testing you well maybe she didn't know she was but it's a test they call it a, it's a called a shit test she's throwing shit at you you know what I mean? So you like this girl and then her friend shows up and her friend sees you and your friend throws a lot of shit at you, you know, and, and friends, you know, she's not your friend. She's her friend. So her job is to be a friend, you know, as a friend, sometimes get in the way, ruffle feathers, see what's going on. You know, um, I actually heard this. This is a weird comparison, but, um, a friend in Mexico city and, um, his dad was trying to get us citizenship. And apparently at the, um, customs or the at the at the border wherever the whatever it's called they um they were a dick to him and and his ego like he 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 treated them like you wouldn't a bar if someone's a dick to you, you'd call him a fucking asshole or whatever but and again i'm not saying that it was right what they did i think part of their strategy was to see if people have um an angry temperament see how this guy reacted before they let him into the country again there's okay this is a, maybe there's a shitty anal, uh, way to compare it but with this girlfriend with this girl and her friend it's like her friend was like seeing what if you're a piece of shit or not you know and was calling you out on stuff and the best thing to do is take it on the chin i mean i can't tell you how many times i've been talking to a girl and her friend just like grills me and asks me all these stupid questions and you know you'd be a little self-deprecating you kind of nudge her back this and that but the second you blow your cool you lost uh now the question the question is is you haven't gotten a text from her and you're wondering what to do you said i'm um you said you're being too much of a pussy to text i usually never text also because of my fear of rejection all right first of all you've already been rejected okay she rejected you so get that fear out of the way it's happened now and this isn't like a safe face thing if you do you feel bad for how you reacted to the friend because if so you might offer an apology and again you don't have to apologize um just you're not apologizing necessarily just to get the uh, the 
anticipated result of a conversation, but you might want to apologize and just say, Hey, look, we had a great chat. Your friend came and I think I let my ego get in the way because I felt like she was grilling me a little too hard. And I kind of showed, you know, a side of me that, you know, was disrespectful to you, not to her. I think your friend was a dick to me and I think I was fine to her, but I think it paints me in a poor picture. And you might, you might text her something like this. You know, also something crazy is sending a voice note. I know it sounds insane, but you might just want to send a voice note. That way you come off more compassionate. You go, look, we we hit it off. I'd I'd love to, even if it's hanging with you and your friend again, I'd love to like hang out. I'm sure your friend's cool because I think you're cool. And why would you surround yourself by people that aren't cool? You're cool. I'm sure your friend's cool. Maybe, um, maybe she was just, you know, testing me or whatever and I failed. So mind giving me another shot and then that's it. And then you put it away. And then if she responds good and if she doesn't, then she's not willing to give you another shot after her friend was being a cunt to you. Like, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Okay, here we go. I'm 26-year-old male, and I got a match with a 25-year-old female on OkCupid. Conversation was going really well. Haven't heard anything in a few days. Need some advice on how to proceed. Oh, fuck. Remember what I said with all these questions are kind of the same? Well, like, what's happening with society that we're so worried about how to proceed? Back in the day, you would just you just had to naturally, you had like this innate way to proceed. You just... You either talked to them or you didn't. You either made, you picked up the phone call or you didn't. Now there's this purgatory we all live in. All right, let's get to the specifics. So a month ago, I liked a profile in OkCupid. This past Thursday, I got a like back and got some messages too. We started chatting a bit and the conversation was going well. So I asked if she'd be down for a coffee sometime. She said, of course, and proceeded to give me her phone number. I asked if she was free this weekend, but she said that she's working over this weekend, unfortunately. She's a doctor with long working hours. We moved off the app and started chatting on WhatsApp instead. The conversation seemed to be going really well, and she seemed to be displaying a lot of interest. She made jokes about how her using her about about her using my surname as her own. She said my face is butte, and in general, the conversation was really engaging. The bulk of our conversations took place on the tall end of Thursday and all throughout Friday. Um, oh, and the. T- <laughs> On the tail end of Thursday, I thought that was a British term. On the tail end of Thursday, on the tail end of Thursday, and all throughout Friday. Then on Saturday and Sunday, I have had no messages from her whatsoever. I had sent the last message in our chat on Friday night, which she hasn't responded to, and it's gone the. It's got the read blue ticks. Uh, you got the read receipts. I really like this girl. It seems like we clicked quite well over messaging and would be disappointed if this is how it ended how should i proceed going forward i'm thinking about dropping her a message asking her how her weekend was like or a message asking her how her weekend was but would it be better to wait a bit longer maybe she's busy her actions really confused me as she took the initiative to chat and seemed really receptive but now the silence is telling me otherwise any advice would be appreciated my advice to you is to get back on okcupid or whatever dating app and go meet a few new people because it, it looks to me that you're putting a little too much pressure on this one thing and if you go meet someone else and have this stupid conversation with someone else you might find another person you're attracted to it might take a little bit of a pressure off this and you'll let it actually develop um but um but as far as today's monday so like yeah if you want to send her a text i think that's fine too Again, just like the last one, if she doesn't respond, like, why would you want to be with somebody who's not giving you the fucking gosh darn benefit of the doubt that they're a human being who's attracted to you? Maybe she just likes talking to you while she's at work and you help her kill the time. And that's fine. Before you meet someone in person, a lot of times it's hard to take that relationship to the next level because they don't even know who you are and they get distracted. And if you think she's not talking to other guys, you're fucking mistaken. Anytime you're on these dating apps, just assume there's seven other blokes trying to charm them with wit. So get out there. And just, you know, meet a few other people and let let the one take root that's supposed to take root. It's not up to us to decide which relationship that will be. You'll know it when it starts to happen. You'll know it when the other person is engaged and excited to see you. And you have to stop, like, begging, like, oh, I wish they'll hang out with me. No, no, no. The right person will want to hang out with you. And part of this whole through line is that you need to work more on yourself and be a guy worth wanting to hang out with. That doesn't mean just buy a nice boat and be cool. That might be the product of pursuing your passions and making more money and having more fun things. But you need to find someone who's really interested in you. And it sounds like, you know, and hey, they're a doctor. So they're naturally going to be very busy. So is that someone you want that's very busy? Maybe. I don't know. All right, two more. Two more and then we're out of here. Who feels like they're on the right path but also feels lonely and scary? I do. Everyone raise your hands. 
No more pretentious or arrogant posts from me trying to proclaim like I know everything. I just want to see how many people feel this way right now, similarly in their own lives. I'm in a strange spot in my life. I feel like I finally turned over a new leaf and I'm on the right path because things are happening. It's like if you're a farmer and your family has been hungry and last year there was a major drought and things weren't growing and this year you've planted some seeds and you're starting to see the roots come out, but you don't know if another drought or dry season is going to come to wipe it out. This is a run-on sentence. But you're hopeful because you didn't even think there would be any growth at all and that the seeds would just die in the sand. But now you have physical evidence, no matter how small, that it's growing. But you're not sure if it will continue to grow and you're not sure if something will come along and mess it up. If you lose five pounds, it'll grow an inch uh, or three pounds. That analogy is the only way I can really express how I'm feeling. It's a mixture of feeling good but also scary and lonely, especially since I'm on a path nobody else is, but it feels right to me and so I'm walking it. I saw a quote on some article I read online and it read like this. Don't be scared to walk alone down the path less traveled and don't be scared to love every minute of it. I find this very empowering. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much to add to that other than, yeah, lonely, scared. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I deep down, deep down, believe I'm on the right path. I deep down believe it. I, I am also scared shitless. Because I've chosen a world that isn't um, guiding me in a safe 3% growth every year direction. I've chosen a world that's doubled down on investing in myself. And there's no map to that. There's no map to the self. You just have to keep on putting one foot forward in front of the other. And then, yeah, you might have a drought one year. But what you're going to find out is that on the years that you're prosperous, um, you're going to have enough for a harvest and for a rollover and that, and you're just gonna have to be okay with that. You're just gonna have to know that no one's gonna let you starve to death. And in society, while it does seem tough at sometimes, no one's letting you starve to death. I love that quote that you gave us. Thank you. Quick one. Get out of here. I'm a whirlwind of emotions and he's st- seemingly stoic and emotionless. Does that mean that we will never be a good match? I express myself a lot and make sure he is aware of it. He's 23 on the other hand and seems rather aloof. I'm not sure what I should do. Am I setting myself up for a tough time? I think I'm tiring him out. <laughs> Things just feel different. Yeah, women tire men out. And again, that would be a gender thing. Men tire women out too, I'm sure. It's just like you're different people. The question is, is it's like, are you different enough to cause friction and have this sexy, amazing relationship? Or are you so different that you're just repelling each other completely? And you said that he's um, stoic and aloof and emotionless. Um, I think we all possess the same level of emotions. It's just a spectrum as to how much we share them with others. And maybe with time and trust, he'll give you that. If you really want some extroverted guy who's crying watching the Bachelor, watching, uh, you know, Nicholas Sparks movies or whatever, and me, uh, um, if you want that guy, this, this guy won't be that guy, it seems like. But if you want a guy that, you know, so you watch someone slip on ice and he looks at you and like, barely cracks his smile but you know on the inside he's laughing his ass off then that's fine too it's just a matter of like are, are you resenting him because is he bringing your mood down you're a whirlwind of emotions maybe you need some of his stability so instead of looking at that as a negative i would look at that as a positive and see if maybe he's a nice rudder on your fucking boat and you don't have any stabilizers without him and then looking at it after looking at it in a positive way if it's still bothering you then it's just not a right match which is fine too I worry about that sometimes where I go, I go like, okay, I like Tasha's, she's all over the map with her emotions. Sometimes she can be very difficult, but also like, I don't know. I mean, I like there's positives. She's very well organized. There's things that she provides me that I don't provide myself. And, and instead of looking at it as a way of like, Oh, how we're so different. It's like, well, Let's, let's uh, like, if you, if this was a company, you would want two different employees that kind of had their own traits and qualities. Um, oh, look, someone actually just wrote to us on Snapchat. Um, it's fine. Which by the way, I'd never go on Snapchat except when someone writes me a message. Um, wasn't expecting a shout out from today's episode made my heart jump into my mouth. Thought I would provide an update after seven and a half years. Okay. This is someone who wrote in. Oh, geez. Did I delete it? Oh no. I just deleted it. Hold on. Tap to load. Oh, there, oh, there it goes. Oh, fuck. Did I lose it? Oh, man. I just lost it. She sent a photo. She, um, oh, like I said, I, uh, the, the, uh, that's amazing. 
I just I just deleted everything everything you said. How do I how do how do I read it? Um shit. Oh my god, I'm so bad at Snapchat. I literally don't know how to use this. Ah, oh, all I read was that they someone just spent seven and a half years dating and they just got engaged and then I deleted the rest. Anyway, I'm so happy for you on your engagement. It's so funny that I'm talking about this and then an engagement comes through. Um, what I love about this podcast, and I'll get out of here, we're at an hour, is that we're so diverse in the places that we're at in life. And I'm, I feel like I'm a piece of all of you. I feel like I'm in all these different spots with you. And I hope you feel the same or maybe not about me. But um, some of us are single looking for a relationship. Some of us are divorced. Some of us are happily married or whatever. And then um, uh, we got a, I got an Instagram message from someone who said, uh, uh, is, this the, is this the message? Oh, here it is. I recently moved back um, back home and reconnected with a girl who's been an acquaintance for years. Drink plans got screwed up, so she, she suggested coffee. Went pretty well, but she seemed a little surprised I paid and at the end said, we should definitely do something again sometime. Always great to have friends in the city. She said, it's always great to have friends in the city. So after this, I know I want another date, but the friend word there has me wondering if I'm in the friend zone. You think it's worth trying for another date or just moving on? Okay, this was a great question and I'll answer briefly because I know, I know what the answer was. And I, I said, you need to press her um, on a date and you need to say the D word, date, 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 date. You have to press her on that. You, you, know, you guys kind of wanted, wanted to get drinks and then she suggested coffee. That's not a friend zone move per se, but it could be. You know what I mean? It might just be that she's busy and she only has time for coffee. That's fine. But it could also be, uh, you know, alcohol is an implied date and we're just seeing as friends. She mentioned the friend word. Yes, you're in the friend zone. You're in the friend zone. Now, asking her on a date, totally fair, but also... You got to know that you know you're 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 asking a question that you're going to get a specific answer to, and it might not be the one you want. Too often we're plagued with all the vagueness of dating that we don't want to just like throw things out there for fear of rejection. But you're getting rejected by being put in the friend zone anyway, so just ask her fucking out. And I know you did, and I I know that after. I said that you said that she um, is in a relationship right now. But look, now you know that now she knows that you like her more than that. And if she's single, maybe someday she'll be like, oh, you know, uh, so-and-so liked me. Maybe I should pursue that versus just thinking that you're a friend she's going to cry to. And when she does break up, you don't want to be a friend she cries to. She'll have other friends for that. Be a guy, you know, be, be stoic and emotionless. No, be a guy that, that just stands by what you said. Yeah, I liked you. I've I've had that before. I've told a girl like, yeah, I'm I'm into you, and she's, you know, uh, you know, she chooses another guy. It was like at least she knows. At least she knows where I was at. Versus like, you know, th- these guys who want to play the the shoulder to cry on. It's like they're no, their their strategy is just different. It doesn't mean they don't like. That's like with Tasha. That's why that's why we started dating. Because I was like, look, I don't want to be this guy that you come crying to because some other guy was a shitty, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be that guy. I'm letting you know that I like you and that I'm not going to be here to be your friend. Like, that's just not where I'm at. And I assure you five years later on the way to my 19th wedding photo shoot that things are working out. Okay. Um, boy, I really put myself in that one. I was like, I want to date you. And five years later, I'm like, let me free. Now it's going fine. But look, you know, you got to complain about some shit, right? If I'm not here to complain, how annoying would that be if I'm just like, oh, my relationship's so beautiful. No, we fight. We have dumb, stupid things we argue about. You know what I mean? We have resentment that builds up. And sometimes we don't communicate it until an ugly thing happens. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're no different than anyone else in that there's like this reptilian response, our ego and our, I am so offended. And I just encourage all of you, as I tell myself this, stay in your own lane, pursue a greater thing, become a better version of yourself. And whenever you feel offended or that you're the victim of something, look in the mirror, realize no one's out to get you. They're just trying, they're focusing on themselves and you need to double down and focus on yourself. And you'll find somebody who is attracted to that love that you have for yourself, that love that you have in that ability that you have to create um, positive experiences and be fun and be adventurous and worthwhile. And then you're going to find somebody who's going to go, I want to be with that person. 
And then when you least expect it, they're going to walk into your life. You're going to be smiling ear to ear, grinning on the tall end of the day. (laughs) And you're going to be a fucking happy version of yourself. And someone's going to go, oh, that person. And they're going to introduce themselves. And then you're going to go on a date and then you're going to get married and you're going to invite me and Tasha to the wedding. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Literally. How come I, how come, you know, we haven't been invited to any weddings out there. What the fuck folks? Come on. We'll come. We'll hang out. We'll dance. You know me, I'll eat all the cake. It'll be fun. Um, Actually, you know what? Uh, Tasha and I are going to be making a new batch of soap for Christmas because I know Christmas is right around the corner. You know, we make really good soap. We never really try to sell it. Some people literally are like, I need to buy your soap. And, we, you know, we, we give it to them on the cheap. But we're going to be making a soap that I want to make into like a little Christmas package. You know, we're going to decorate it, uh, have have like holiday specific flavors. We'll do some peppermint, some pine, some other, you know, maybe some cinnamon clove flavors or whatever. And we're going to make some soap. And um, that, that's going to be available uh, to, to, you know, to buy if you guys want to give it to your spouse or mom or anyone. It's really good soap. I mean, look, and hey, there's a reason I haven't done this before because we don't make much money on it. You know what I mean? This shit's expensive. I'm making, I'm at fucking Whole Foods buying coconut oil and stupid fucking essential oils are so expensive. So we don't do it for the money. It's just a fun thing to share our soap with others. It's a fun way to create. And, and, um, luckily none of the, none of my family listens to this podcast because whoever doesn't buy the soap, we're just going to give it to our family for Christmas. It's good soap, a little peppermint soap on your balls. It's good stuff. So anyway, um, I'm not, there's no order sheet or anything, but if you're interested, shoot me a message and, um, I'll let you know, um, as the soap's being made again, follow us on social media. I'm at D Neils, D N E A L Z on Instagram and Twitter. And then you could just search sex. Actually, it's the dot sap on Instagram and sex actually pod on Twitter. And, um, on Instagram we'll be, I'll be doing a, sh- I'll, I'll make a story of today's wedding. So if you're listening to this and you go, oh, I want to see how the wedding shoot turned out, I'll make that and I'll save it you know, in one of those buttons if you don't catch it today. And, um, yeah, that's what we'll be up to. Uh, if you haven't already, and, uh, and, uh, and some of you really helped out with this, um, on my Twitter, I've been, I've been promoting the podcast with the, um, username at Apple podcast. That's the iTunes username that is in control of all the features. And we're really pushing to get this podcast featured. Um, it's, it's, it's very close. We've done all the right things. They've gotten back to us. They're super interested getting it featured. will triple the audience. It'll help us, um, you know, get to that next level where I can probably do solo episodes every Monday and then release a group episode and we can do fun things in live events and this and that it will happen. And it'll be fun that it happens with your help. Um, again, I'm not asking for any money, anything like that. What I'm asking is when I tweet out, um, with the at Apple podcast username with a link to the episode that you retweeted and that you favorite it. It's okay. If you only have 12 followers, the point is, is, and I know everyone has a Twitter, whether you're using it or not, just hit the retweet button. The point is, is that they see, Oh, nine people retweeted this. That's something. That's something. And that's all that matters. It doesn't have to go viral. It's just to get their attention as we're being considered for a feature. So go on, go on the Twitter, the Instagram, whatever screen, grab it, throw it on your stories, whatever, whatever you can do to reach your friends. We appreciate that so much. And again, I'm going to try my best to stay in my own lane. You guys let me know how it goes right in. Um, people are getting super open with their questions. You can write in sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Um, I love it when I hear of a new listener who goes, Oh, I've listened for years and I never wrote in. What are you waiting for? If you've, I always say if, if you've listened to eight episodes, that's two months. If you've listened to me talk for two months, eight episodes, and you haven't written in yet, it's on you. And I'm not bullying you. I'm just telling you, I, I enjoy it. You don't have to flog me with affirmations. I mean, one or two is fine. You <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't have to. But what I'd love to hear is your story, where you are, who you listen with, and this and that. How'd you find us? Um, uh, tell me about your sex life, your dating life, what your pros and cons, and where you want to be. I'd like to share that shit. Anyway, thank you so much. And enjoy your week. I wish you all the best. And again, this was the Sabbath.